0: Kia ora, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with UAIC. Today, I'm joined by Kitty Shen, who is currently an alumni of the University of Auckland and a Senior Development Operations Engineer at MYOB. Kitty, welcome, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for the invite. It's my first time podcasting, so really keen to see what it's all about.
0: Awesome. And I'm also joined by Rohan Bart, once again, who's one of the co-presidents of the Investment Club this year. Rohan, thank you again also for joining.
2: All good Harry, Both to be on another episode.
0: Definitely. So, getting straight into it, Kitty, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you studied, and your career journey, and I guess how you ended up at MyOB as a graduate?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I'm alumnus of the University of Auckland, as you said. I studied a conjoint Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in Computer Science, Accounting, and Information Systems. I guess you could say that my career journey started while I was still studying. I think it's really important to gain transferable experience alongside your traditional studies. A lot of people say retail and hospitality builds like that character and work ethic, which, you know, those are all traits that can't really be trained from the get-go. You kind of have to earn them over time. As for MYB itself, I did intern with MYB. So I think that kind of gave me a, a pretty good pathway into their graduate program. So like you said, I did start with MyB as a protégé developer, but here in Melbourne. From there, I joined my current team as an associate DevOps engineer, probably about a year and a half. And then since then, I've progressed to a mid-level and now senior.
2: MyB is sort of a combination of an accounting firm and a tech firm. So could you talk a little bit about what a DevOps engineer actually does?
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess like MYB is kind of seen as an accounting firm, but really it's just, it happens to be a tech firm that's producing business management platform type software. So it kind of gets that accounting domain, but it's not really an accounting firm. As for the DevOps engineer title, DevOps is a hard kind of field to explain. It's it's really more of a mindset than a title as such, but it is still pretty common to have as a title. In practice, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but my team works on enabling other developers to do their work. So we're kind of bridging a gap from a traditional sysadmin type role and a traditional software developer type role where there was a lot of disconnect. And that's kind of where the dev and ops title get mashed together. So developer and operations got mashed together into this concept of DevOps and it's evolved a whole lot. There's always new buzzwords. Current one is an internal developer platform, but previously there's been platform engineering, all kinds of different things. There's a lot of buzzwords in, in this kind of line of work. So yeah, it, it is a little bit hard to explain, but maybe we can dive into it a little bit later if that's relevant.
2: Yeah, sure. I guess we can follow straight on after that. Would you be able to talk a little bit more about what you do day-to-day in your role?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Like I was saying, my team works on an internal developer platform. People that want to know more under the hood, it's Kubernetes-based. That's another buzzword, but it's had a a little bit of sticking power. We've been running it in production for over five years at MyB. I guess in simple terms, my team helps other teams at MYOB, so other software developers, make the software that they build available to our customers and i guess that word available has a lot of stuff packed into it like available means to be when the customer wants it it's there and you know like being a business management platform a lot of the demand for our software is during business hours so how do we make sure that you know we've got enough compute to back the demand during business hours and then not be wasteful during off-peak time you know you'll get the occasional person that wants to use the software at midnight but the bulk of the traffic will be during business hours so how do we solve that problem of scale during the day during the weekends that kind of thing it's a really good space to be in lots of interesting problems to solve that you wouldn't necessarily think of immediately and i get to wear a lot of different hats and my day-to-day varies a lot which is really cool thankfully I'm, um, i'm still very much so on the tools and working with my team to solve the problems but at a technical level as well You'd be surprised how little time software developers spend actually writing code. Um, there's a lot more to the job than writing the code itself. But ultimately, you know, you're kind of wanting to build out the technology that adds business value. So writing code is only just one aspect of that.
0: Awesome. And I guess just backtracking to when you were at university, you obviously did a commerce degree majoring in accounting. As I know, you were involved in Beta Alpha Psi, which is quite a accounting heavy club. What was it that made you want to take a graduate role at MYOB, which is quite tech heavy, as opposed to, I guess, going down a maybe a more traditional accounting or finance route?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question because, you know, I kind of hedged with doing both degrees. I think really technology just aligned closer to my interests. I'm a bit of a tinkerer. I like to be around technology, you know, like building computers, playing computer games, fixing little problems and that kind of thing. So I think utilizing technology to solve problems, is kind of, it's something that I enjoy. So I think that aligned really closely with the tech side of of my, I guess, traditional studies. And then having interned with MYB while I was still at uni, that kind of helped me solidify that decision. Um, I got a taste for the Future Makers Academy at MYB, kind of like their uh, intentional learning space. So there's interns, protégé developers which is kind of what we call our graduates i can get into that a little bit but it's it's mainly that graduate developer as a title kind of kind of implies that people are always going to be graduates of you know university or a bootcamp or something like that but in reality the intake is much more diverse than that so protégé is kind of like the word that got chosen and has stuck around but yeah i i really got a taste for what NYB's FMA program was all about. This very intentional learning opportunity and an awesome support network to, yeah, really like kind of propel your career forward. As opposed to like the finance accounting side, I think at the time when I was making the decision, I had a lot of people around me that were probably putting in more work than I was personally wanting to, you know, I'm talking like 60 plus, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And that's probably just something that I'm physically not capable of doing. I think the work-life balance has gotten a bit better since I started. There's a saying that um, <laughs> lazy people make good developers because you kind of look to work efficiently. So you're still doing the work, but you know, you're know you doing it right the first time or, or nearly right the first time and spending less time doing rework and finding the most effective path forward. So I, I think that kind of work is really engaging to me. And- while I'm not at work, to be passionate about work as such. But, you know, I'd really like to enjoy my time at work if I'm going to be spending eight plus hours or whatever it is a day um, at work.
2: Yeah, I think you brought up some really good points there. I think being at university and being involved with the investment club, both Harry and I have seen that it's very easy sometimes as students to get sucked into the sort of the big four route or thinking that investment banking or accounting are the only sort of pathways that you can really take once uni finishes so curious to know whether that was also the case when you were at university and if you ever had to sort of fight that mindset
1: it was definitely a consideration like that that was a very common pathway amongst my peers and definitely one that a lot of people think that they wanted to go down what i can say to that is While it is an awesome pathway and sets you up for great long-term success, there's also a lot of careers out there that you just don't know about when you're at university or or most people don't know about. And if your peers aren't talking about it, then it's very common to just kind of get that one track mind and think, you know, I have to go big for um, investment bank or it's more perceived as like the pathway for a particular degree type roles. Where in reality, there's a lot more roles out there in careers that you might just not have been exposed to. For instance, in, in software, like a lot of people think they want to be a full stack developer, which in their mind is, you know, I, I do a little bit of everything. I think while it has a huge place in technology, there's also all kinds of other roles that kind of support that. So people aren't necessarily thinking, oh, I'm going to be a BA when I leave or a scrum master or something like that or, you know, a delivery manager, engineering manager, or how do I get on the path to become a CTO, that kind of thing. Everyone's thinking, oh, I'm I'm just going to be a software developer, but they don't really know what that really means necessarily until they kind of get into industry.
0: Just carrying on with the kind of, track of the traditional career path versus something that people hadn't quite thought of what advice would you give for, i guess people like rohan and i who do quite traditional degrees like you know accounting finance and law but who might be interested in going into tech as a career what sort of opportunities available and do you think there are any kind of skills that you can develop while you're at university to prepare yourself for a career in tech
1: A hundred percent. And not only just for tech, like, you know, you guys being part of the investment club and part of the wider university community, that's already an attestment to kind of the efforts that you're putting in outside of your studies. And that really makes you a well-rounded candidate. I think what I'm trying to get into is that technical expertise is something that you can only kind of learn in theory at university. And so when you're starting a career, that's not really the, the thing that, is going to set you apart from other people also starting that career right like that technical expertise you're going to build up over time you're not expected from day dot to be able to do all of the things that someone with three four five years experience on you is going to be capable of doing right so that's kind of like the technical side of things whether it's you know being an investment banker analyst or developer or whatever all kinds of different skills right That's kind of like the technical side. Then there's like all these soft skills that people always say soft skills, right? But um, all these things that you build up over time and you can start building those while you're at university, right? So all the things that you're doing outside of your studies, they kind of help make you a more attractive candidate when you go to apply for roles, whether that be in the field that you're studying or not
2: yeah, just wanted to follow up on that. You sort of briefly alluded to the impact that extracurricular activities can have on students. I think Harry mentioned earlier that you were heavily involved with Beta Alpha Psi during your time at university. So I wanted to ask what impact that had on you as a student and any thoughts that you had on clubs and any students thinking about how involved to get in these sort of things? Yeah,
1: for sure. Like, I think the priority when you're at uni is still focusing on your studies but you got to make time to have fun as well. And again, going back to that well-rounded candidate, participating in the community is huge. Like whether that be in uni clubs, you know, volunteering or sports, that kind of thing, all of those things have stuff that you can bring back to your work life. Personally, I had an awesome time being on the student exec at another club, as you guys have mentioned, Beta Alpha Psi, you know, and that afforded me a lot of opportunity to kind of expand my horizons. I I was on um, events vice president and I was able to attend conferences in Melbourne and Chicago and meet all these other people that I would consider them to be my peers. And some of them I've still stayed in touch with. So I think building that network pretty early on, surrounding yourself with people that you consider to be, I guess, have traits that you want to aspire to also have, or even just like learn about things that they're doing that you might also want to do. I think being involved in the community, collaborating with other people, those are those are all things that can help you when you're getting started with your career and even later on in, in career.
0: Awesome. And yeah, just a testament to the impact that clubs can make. Rohan, and I definitely agree with you there. Just carrying on with the theme of, of going into a career in tech, you obviously went into tech straight out of uni, as we've discussed, but I was wondering if you could sort of speak to other pathways into tech that you've seen people take as opposed to, you know, just going into it straight as a graduate role?
1: Yeah, 100%. When I rejoined MYB in Melbourne, I had a cohort of seven, and I was the only one fresh out of a a uni degree that kind of traditionally made sense, like, you know, computer science or software engineering, that kind of thing. The other six people in my cohort were career switchers. So, you know, chartered accountant, lawyer, small business owner, had a couple of teachers and a pharmacist. So, you know, all these other careers where they've built out domain knowledge and experience, not necessarily relating directly to tech, but all those experiences add to their profile as a candidate, right? Remember, tech companies, for the most part, they just happen to be using technology, but they're solving real business problems. So MYB, for instance, is a business platform, right? Like there's a lot of accounting domain knowledge there or or SME kind of experience. So that kind of domain knowledge and being involved in that kind of thing, specifically for MYB, might put you ahead of another candidate, right? Without necessarily having technical expertise. So yeah, I think people with deep domain knowledge, they can have a lot of impact even when they're kind of first getting started in tech. And there's a lot of things in tech especially software engineering that have been kind of taken from other industries. So like the engineer part of the title, you know, comes from more traditional engineering. There's a lot of apprenticeship type things involved in tech where, you know, you're, you're kind of honing your craft as such. There's a book called apprenticeship patterns, which it is tech focused, but it focuses a lot on the soft skills that you can hone as well. It makes a lot of connections between being a new techie and blacksmith apprenticeships, I think, from memory. So, yeah, there's a lot of things in tech that are kind of taken from other walks of life and kind of just being adapted more for a tech environment.
2: You think the same thing applies the other way around? So for someone currently working in tech like yourself, if you were to consider pivoting into a more business-heavy or a finance-heavy role in the future, Do you still think that sort of the skills you're learning now will be transferable and how, if so?
1: I think to an extent, yes. Having been in the more business side of the world when I was studying as well, I think I I built up some level of business acumen and I think that is really where people have success transferring careers because really in the end you you need to add value to the business right so if you can do that with your set of skills in some i guess non-traditional way if you're adding value then you can carve out a space for yourself
2: we'll just move on to something that is a bit more uh, relevant to today's time generative ai and things like that are very much the talk of the town at the moment so if we were curious to ask to what extent you think things like machine learning and artificial intelligence will disrupt jobs within business?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, people while they're at university, they have a lot of anxiety around whether jobs will be available or not. And I guess in the context of AI, machine learning and, and so forth, um, you know that can be seen as a huge disruptor and has potential right to impact society in a large way. With the extraordinary rise of natural language processing tools like ChatGPT that you've alluded to, AI machine learning, it's really kind of hit that critical mass, right? Like there are ruminations of it 10 years ago, but you know, for, for the large majority of the population, there wasn't really a, a good understanding of what AI could do. So stuff like ChatGPT has kind of just propelled it to the forefront of a lot of people's minds. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a disruptor to jobs in the negative sense. It's more like I would see it as an opportunity to improve our lives, whether it's in your job or or otherwise, right? Like how many people are, are putting things into ChatGPT now instead of Google or kind of doing both, right? I feel like it's, it's another tool that you've got and you can add to your toolkit. I guess in a business context, there's a lot of considerations that you kind of have to make before you can really utilize the tools a lot of it is like safety how can you do it in a safe manner that will allow your business to reap the rewards of using it but also not put yourself at risk so think about things like um, intellectual property or licensing or quality control for instance if you have engineers just plugging code that's been generated from ChatGPT out into production and just hoping that it works like that. That's not going to set yourself up for success, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess just moving on to where you're currently based in Melbourne, and you obviously moved there straight out of uni. What was behind that decision to go to Melbourne for a graduate role? Because I know you interned at MYOB in Auckland. And I guess just more generally, what do you think the merits are of going to Australia for a graduate role?
1: Yeah, I think obviously my view is very um, biased from, from having interned at MYB. MYB's head office is actually here in Melbourne. So I think if I can speak more broadly than my personal experience, then maybe it'll be a bit more helpful for others trying to make a similar decision or considering it. I think for me, it was kind of just the right time to be moving out of home. I was living at home through high school, uni and, and so forth, and kind of just had that desire to experience living independently. Now, you could say, like, I could have done that in Auckland, right? But to me, it wasn't really too much of a stretch to move out of home in Auckland versus to also in Melbourne. I think being a New Zealand citizen, there's not very many barriers for starting a career in Australia. You know, you don't have to sort out a specific visa for working in Australia. So I think it's a relatively safe option to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's just what I happen to take, right? I really like. Auckland uh, I could see myself returning later in life Um, but yeah mainly I was just ready to explore and Melbourne I guess pandemic aside was a pretty smooth transition. I do want to say there's a lot of opportunities in New Zealand as there are in Australia and elsewhere so mainly it's kind of picking the right one that makes sense for you.
0: Yeah so would you say that your kind of reasons for moving to Australia were almost more about personal development as opposed to an inherently better career over there?
1: Yeah, I guess um, like I, I can't say that there's an inherently better career path available just from moving cities, right? Like I think there are different opportunities available and getting yourself to the first step of each path, that's only kind of just getting started on a journey. You still need to put in the work, the effort to kind of weave your way through that path and hopefully get ahead if that's what your goal is so yeah I think being able to pivot and I guess being flexible when you're in your career and really just being willing to kind of navigate the things that come your way I think that will put you in a much better position than kind of anguishing over which pathway is right for you at the very start.
2: Do You think you would ever consider coming back to New Zealand?
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I really like Auckland. I still have family in Auckland. I, I have a relatively small family. So I, I do visit Auckland at least once a year now that you know I, I can fly freely. Um, so yeah, I could see myself coming back later. But at the moment, I'm really liking my time in Melbourne. And yeah, I don't see myself moving on anytime soon. But never say never.
0: Yeah, never say never. B- bit of a theme, I guess, from what you've said. So just in the interest of time, The last question that we're asking, and we've asked everyone this year, the same question, what advice would you give to people at university, in particular people who are in their first year just starting out and figuring out what they might want to do with their career?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question and it's pretty loaded. Like, uh, Hopefully people that are listening can kind of merge the different answers and make their own assessment. But Really, the main one, I think, is focus on the things that matter to you. So, you know, if you're studying for a particular pathway that you know that you want, then do the things that will help you get there. If you're not as steadfast in your pathway, then keep yourself open. You know, talk to different people that are doing different things. Um, Get yourself involved, like I was saying, around being a well-rounded candidate you won't discover the opportunities that are available to you unless you kind of put yourself out there a little bit. So yeah, get involved in the community. Like I was saying, Um, university clubs are a huge one. So definitely get yourself involved, but show up to class at least. (laughs) That's your first kind of step and then go from there.
0: Awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been awesome. And it's been great to have you on and learn a bit more about yourself, your journey and careers in the world of tech and I guess in particular not being sucked into going down a traditional career path that there might be some pressure on doing otherwise so again thank you for joining us it's been really helpful
1: thanks again for the invite
0: and thank you also Rohan for joining as always and helping out today
2: pleasure as always Harry thank you
0: And again, if you have any feedback, suggestions or just anything that you might want to tell us about, please do get in touch with us either on social media or by emailing podcast at UAIC.co.nz.